25 seconds left to play. You're listening to the Matt Wyatt Show. I want winners. This crowd is alive. Play to win the game. Wyatt from the shotgun, two backs alongside. Knock him out, John. Wyatt gets the ball. It won't be long. Wyatt back to throw. Wyatt looks. Fires toward the end zone. Passes. Caught for touchdown by Matthew Butler. Speak to. They are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. I get out of hand. Just, just tell me I'm a jerk and shut up. Let's go scatter the west right tight. That's left. 372 Y sticks. He's The Matt Wyatt Show. He's Radio Wyatt. Well, how am I going to go to college? I'll just play football. Yo! A horse disqualified at the Kentucky Derby for the first time ever. Ole Miss scores 19 runs, and it took 10 innings to win a series at LSU for the first time since Olivia Newton-John was on top of the Billboard charts. And still, all anybody can tweet about, Roger, is a Starbucks cup that appeared in Game of Thrones. That's the world we live in, Roger. Well, that's news to me. I'd missed that part. <laughs> I, was, I was too busy Cinco de Mayo-ing it. <laughs> Cinco de Mayo-ing? De yeah. You said that better than I did. Yeah. <laughs> de Mayo-ing. He was Cinco de Mayo-ing. Welcome in. It's Monday, and I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau, go! With the home team. Roger, in about five minutes, we're going to talk with Mike Bianco, the head baseball coach at Ole Miss. And as soon as you give me the heads up, I'll punch his number in there for you so you can give him a call. That's coming up. Yeah, yeah. 19-15 to 15 was the final score of that baseball game yesterday in Baton Rouge. In uh, Red Stick, as they like to say. 19-15. Dad, gum it. And here's the thing about it. Here's the thing about beating LSU 19 to 15. The last time Ole Miss won a series at LSU All right, there's a number, Roger. The last time Ole Miss won a series at LSU was 1982. Olivia Newton-John, number 1 on the Billboard charts with Let's, let's get physical. Let's get physical. I, I used no books, no internet. <laughs> hey, that's I'm right. Just that old. Look, I was in kindergarten in 1982. Okay. Wow, man, I was a sophomore, I think. Okay. In high school. High school, yeah. I was an itty bitty kindergartner, and I remember my sister had this little kid size record player. And she had a record, one of those small size records, not the big 45, but the small size you put it on there. And one of the ones that she would play all the time was Let's Get Physical, <laughs> Olivia Newton-John. And none of us knew. Carry our, our music player around, our little record player. Yeah, none of us knew what any of that song meant or anything. I just remember Let's Get Physical, Olivia Newton-John. I mean, that was before I even realized. I knew nothing about the movie Grease at that point. 
that Olivia Newton-John was in that movie. I didn't know anything. That's how long ago this is. 1982. You're, you're still listening to that basketball song. One-on-one. Yeah, one-on-one. is about basketball. One-on-one. I want to play that game tonight. <laughs> Ronald Reagan yeah, was... You got to throw that line in there. That really sells it. <laughs> Uh, Ronald Reagan was our president in 1982. Yeah, that's how long ago. And not only did Ole Miss win a series in Baton Rouge for the first time since 1982, they did it by back-ending the series. They won games two and three. And game three yesterday, oh, my goodness, 19-15 to in 10 innings. But the thing is, you would think, oh, this was a back-and-forth and it was just trading blows. No. Ole Miss was ahead seven to nothing going into the bottom of the fourth. They were up ten to one going into the bottom of the fifth. They were up eleven to four going into the bottom of the sixth. They were up thirteen to six going into the bottom of the seventh. Somehow LSU put up six runs and hit a bunch of home runs in the bottom of the ninth. They tied it up 15-15, to and then in the top of the 10th inning, Ole Miss scores four runs. It's a, a combined 34 runs, a combined 45 hits in a 19-15 to ball game. You'll never see anything. Well, you might, but it'll be a while before you see anything like that. On the Divinity Equipment phone line right now, on your radio, Mike Bianco, head baseball coach, Ole Miss. Coach, we were just discussing all the things we could remember from 1982, which was the last time <laughs> that Ole Miss won a series. That was a short conversation, huh? Yeah, it was, because I was in kindergarten, man. I didn't know anything about the world in 1982. Um, Olivia yeah. Newton-John sat atop the Billboard charts. You know What were you doing in 1982? 1982, I was a freshman in high school uh, at Seminole High School in Seminole, Florida. Okay. Well, that was the last time that Ole Miss won a road series at LSU, and you pulled it off yesterday. And, Coach, here's the understatement of the day. It wasn't easy, was it? (laughs) No, it wasn't. And then I guess when when you've gone so long – without winning there, uh, it's not going to be easy, especially the first time. And uh, there, there's a reason that you know, we haven't won there in, in so long. And uh, But it's amazing you know, since I've been here. I didn't realize it was that long. I didn't realize until Thursday we're driving down a uh, radio show just like yours out of Baton Rouge calls. And I know I haven't won you know, mm-hmm. since being here, so at 18 seasons. But we've never been swept there. We've always been close. David Kellum told me something where, you know, we've lost, it, you know, since I've been there. Remember, 18 years, so we've only been there half the time, so maybe nine trips there. We lost seven one-run games, and we've always won at least one there. So mm-hmm. it's amazing that we've been that close, but yet has been, been on the wrong side of that one-run game so many times. Sure. Well, it really just kind of speaks to – that program doesn't it and just that that it factor that lsu baseball has always kind of had it seems like and you know it because you played there well yeah and but i think it's bigger than that i don't i don't even you know i think it's beyond you know the program and their success i think it's it's the the magic of that place 
you know, mm-hmm. you're talking about uh, as, as well as we draw in attendance, as well as Mississippi State draws and some other people, they've been number one in attendance since they started keeping those records back in the early 90s. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you're, you're talking whatever, 30 you know, consecutive years or 28 consecutive years of number one attendance. And, and it's not even close. You know, when you, you know, but the rest of us are fighting for second place, and uh, and their fans are terrific. They can really take it over. You can, you know, they're, it's 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 really an amazing place, and it's fun. You know, as the opponent, I'm sure when you played football, there were certain places that, you know, even though it was hostile, even though it was tough to play at. You know, as a college football player, you go, man, you know, I'm glad I played there, and I'm glad I had that opportunity, and I think that's when you go to Alex Box Stadium, you feel that way. Sure, sure. It, it is incredible. Well, and the game yesterday was incredible. You know, there's so much to look at with the whole series, but that thing yesterday, when, you know, they get a little something going, they finally put a run on the board in the fourth, and you guys have this big lead, and I know they came back, tied it up, but still throughout, this is LSU that keeps answering in the bottom of these innings, and your guys just kept going to the plate and putting the bat on the ball. Um, they, what was it like in that in that dugout when you you know you had guys that knew they were going to hit the ball? Yeah, you know, and I think that's you know kind of the forgotten thing of the game, you know. Uh, uh-huh. And everybody was like, man, they you know they they came back, but the truth of the matter is. You know, uh, it was just a great offensive game. And even though we, we scored first and jumped out to like a seven-run lead, as they continued to, to score, we, we answered them almost every inning. You know, they'd score two, we'd score two. They scored three, we scored two. And we had a six run. It wasn't like we, it was down to two runs in the ninth. It was a six-run lead, you know, in the ninth with two outs, nobody on. And like I told my, my wife last night, I said, you know, the amazing thing is, you know, what they did in the bottom of the ninth and you know against one of the best closers in the country we got two outs nobody on and we're at the you know the back half of their lineup and they get you know three hits none of them hit hard uh one of them was a, just a dribbler to the shortstop and then three home runs back to back to back yeah uh and you know at that point we just didn't even have enough time to get the you know the, another guy ready mm. you know uh you know uh, our guy Austin Miller and, uh, you know, I've never seen anything like it. You know, it's just an amazing comeback by them. It really, really was. They come back, like you said, six runs in the bottom of the night, the three home runs, and it goes to extras. But then we see those four runs in the top of the inning, too. And and that was a deal where you had to string it all together. It wasn't like a bunch of walks and one big swing. So you'd been so confident in putting up runs for nine straight innings that just continued right over into that tenth frame, didn't it? No, you're exactly right. You know that's why I'm, uh, you know, so proud. You know uh, that we handled, you know, their 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 big punch. You know, yeah. we we handled the adversity, and uh, you know, I think I've seen it so many times. You know, on the other side, you know, you've watched it from afar, where you know teams just blew it there, where you know the box got them. You know, mm-hmm. where they just you know blew a lead late. And, you know, LSU ends up winning. You know, our guys, you know, held their composure. 
uh, came out. We got a leadoff walk, and then Kevin Graham hit the big double, and then Josh Hall, uh, who really was a defensive replacement, and we weren't going to pinch hit for, uh, but knew that he could probably handle Fontenot's fastball and would move the ball somewhere, wouldn't strike out with a runner at third base. He gets a big single, then he steals second, and then yeah. Servideo doubles, and then next thing you know, you know, we, we were able to answer their six with another four. Yeah. Every time we look at these offensive outbursts that you guys have had, Coach, it seems like seems like we always hear or mention that name, Servideo. Like, he's involved in everything. And, and a lot of guys, you know, Dillard and others, we kind of ooh and ah at the home runs and stuff. But it's like Servideo is always involved in everything going on with your team. Like, what, what, what makes him so good? Well, he's a special player. And, you know, when he first got here, because he's so athletic, he plays middle infield. So many people talked about his defense, which is, I think, you know, next year when Gray's gone uh, and you watch him play in the middle, I think uh, everybody will be astounded by the defense. But this year's offense is really, you know, taking a, a step forward and uh, not only a good hitter, but just so dynamic on the bases. Mike Clement made a comment at the very beginning of the season, who's coached third base now for I don't know how many years, not just here, but at Texas A&M, at Kansas State, and he said he is far and away the most dynamic, the most fun guy that I've ever had run the bases. You know, and it's not just stealing, it's being able to have that how to win awareness to take the extra base. He scores, you know, in the tenth inning when they turn a double play from second base. You know, I mean it's just yeah. things like that. It's it, he's just a electric on the bases. So a fast but very good baseball player. Mike Bianco, head baseball coach, Ole Miss on your radio. They win two out of three back in the series against LSU this weekend and won yesterday. 19 to 15 in 10 innings. Coach, that first game of the series, LSU won it. And, you know, the clip that got uh, distributed on the internet all over the place was of Ben, your son, hitting that home run for LSU. Drew. Drew, I'm sorry, uh, hitting the home run and and doing the little bat flip there. Uh, And, of course, the cameras caught your facial expression or or lack thereof, I think, as he was rounding the bases. (laughs) But but, um, take us back and kind of. What was going through your mind in that moment? You see your son hit that home run, but you're in the other dugout. Well, the truth of the matter is we we knew this moment was coming, maybe not necessarily a home run, but a base hit or something to that effect. You know, three years ago when he committed as a sophomore at a high school there. Uh, but it finally came. It was a tough week, I think, for, for him and, and, and not as much for me because I'm used to the media. Uh, but, but, you know, a lot of media coverage and the question, how's it going to be? And, and he doesn't start that game, uh, and he pinch hits. But, but for me, really kind of a, a weird moment and probably weirder than you're thinking when I when I explain to you because we end up bringing Austin Miller in to keep the game at 4-3. We're losing 4-3, mm-hmm. and it's the, the bottom of the eighth, and I want to keep it at a one-run game. So I bring in one of our key relievers, and uh, Cabrera you know, ends up hitting the home run to, to put them ahead 7-3. to three. And so that was like kind of a decisive blow, right? Yeah, like yeah. That was the big kick in, kick in the gut. And uh, so that just happened. And Drew wasn't on deck at the time. And so, you know, of course, now I'm, tr- I'm trying to get my, my main you know, reliever off the field. Like, we got to get somebody warmed up because this game's probably over. And I don't, this is Friday night. We got other games. I got to get him out so he doesn't throw too many pitches. And now they announce Drew Bianco as he walks to the plate. 
And of course, you know, first pitch he hits a home run. So I didn't really have much time to really, you know, think about it and, you know, the emotions. Mm. And of course, the ball goes out. Uh, and, you know, you know, I really don't know really what to think, you know, mm. and I guess that I really didn't have any emotion at that time. It was really about the team and trying to get my guy off the field. And, you know, we'll have to get him on Saturday. And then I think probably a couple hours later back at the hotel after I spoke to my wife. I texted them probably about twelve thirty, one o'clock that night. Just told them, you know, I'm proud of them and I love them. And you know, thankfully, it wasn't the, the you know a game winner. You know, <laughs> thankfully, it was already you know, it just extended their lead. <laughs> yeah, the bat flip though. I mean, yeah. Any react? Is that just part of the game now? Is that like a thing for Drew where it's not like he pre-planned a bat flip? If I hit a home run, he just right. caught it. He yeah, caught right. it so well and he felt it. You know. Yeah, we ate dinner with him last night. Of course, his mom hates it. You know, his mom, <laughs> he does he does it often. You know, fortunately, he's a he's a pretty good player, and he's hit a few home runs. And so, yeah. you know, I think it's just this era and this culture, and you know, they like that. But the truth is, I didn't even see it because you know you're watching the ball. Yeah. You guys yeah. saw it because you watched the video. Yeah. Uh, you know, in person, a lot of times you just you see him hit and you watch the ball. So, you know, I didn't see that. But that's the amazing thing is that probably got more attention than the actual home run. But you know, like he said, he, he would never do it. He he loves old Miss. You know, of course, you know he's my son, and you know we have a great relationship. Uh, it, you know, it wasn't that. And he, he said last night, you know, he didn't really realize he did it, but. He was like dumb running around the bases. He said, I didn't hear anything. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know if to smile or what. He goes, I just put my head down and ran around the bases. <laughs> he said, I was just so, so numb and like shaking as he ran around the bases. So it was, it was, a, it was a different moment for, for, for both of us. Well, it was, you know, I think everybody, you know, that watched him in high school, all of us around here that, you know, kept up. And then, of course, it's so many of us that we just remember him as that little kid bebopping around in the field with you. You know, and now he's all yeah. grown, uh, grown up and rounding the bases there. Uh, it was a neat moment. Mike Bianco on your radio right now. Coach, uh, real quick, so no midweek for you and several days to get ready for a huge series. And it's not only huge with Mississippi State, you know, with uh, the rivalry, but both teams, uh, you're going to have a lot to play for here with a couple of weekends left, aren't you, with State coming in there this weekend? No doubt. You know, this is our finals week. So our guys are in final exams. So I'm actually, you know, calling you from Florida, uh, you know, recruiting the next two days. So we'll give them two days off Monday, Tuesday to really focus and concentrate on, on the schoolwork and get back to practice on Wednesday and Thursday. Uh, but yeah, very good Mississippi State team that's had, you know, probably the best year of any team in the Southeastern Conference. They may not have the best record, but I'm talking from game one to now when you look at their record and, you know, what they've done. And, you know, they're, they're certainly a, a group of guys that have played, you know, you know, terrific this year. So we got our work cut out for us. And you're right. You know, uh, it's always, you know, uh, I, I think an event when you know you've played in these games, you know when you play in your arch rival. Uh, but it, you know when you add in that you know we're playing for a, a championship with only two weeks remaining, you know it's uh, it's going to be huge. So you know expect some some huge crowds at Swayze Field this weekend. Yep, huge crowds It'll be a lot of fun, Coach. I really appreciate some time. So I know you're working out of town and got kids to go see. Thank you so much uh, for getting on the phone with me this morning. And congrats on the series win. Always enjoy it, Matt. Thanks, buddy. Yep, thank you. That's Mike Bianco, head baseball coach at Ole Miss.
That's a historic deal. First time since 82 for Ole Miss to win a series at LSU. And they get that done this past weekend. And so there's several things. Yeah, there's the historical. Uh, yeah, there is this how it happened. They back in the series winning games two and three with a 19-15 to win on Sunday in 10 innings. It's just incredible. Like you said, it, it's not like it was, you know, 5-5 to and then 7-6 to and then 8-7 to and back and forth. This was a deal that Ole Miss led comfortably the entire ball game. Seven to nothing in a third. They're up ten to three. I'm sorry, ten to four going into the sixth inning. Then they're up eleven to six after six. It was thirteen to nine going into the ninth inning. And then in the top of the ninth, Ole Miss scored two runs. It was 15-9 to going into the bottom of the ninth inning. And LSU, with two outs, the first two guys in the bottom of the ninth, one flied out and the other one grounded out. It's two outs. They're down 15-9, to and, and it's two outs in the ninth. And they got a single, then a wild pitch, No, they got a single, a single, a wild pitch moved them up. A single scores um, a run. And then Duplantis, three-run home run with two outs. The next guy, Beloso, home run. The next guy, home run, back-to-back-to-back, ties the game. But then Ole Miss responds with four runs in the top of the 10th to, to win it. It was incredible. You just, I mean, you're just not going to see anything like it anytime soon. And that sets it up. State took care of business two out of three at Texas A&M. And so now it's State at Ole Miss in Oxford this weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Both teams sitting right there at 15-9 and nine in the SEC. Both teams two games back of Arkansas trying to catch them with six games left. That's what you want. Just getting started. Stick around. song on the top of the Billboard charts in 1982. Let's kill it already, Olivia. Yeah. Hear that synthesizer in there. <laughs> no doubt that 80s synthesizer. The last time um, Ole Miss won a baseball series in Baton Rouge, 1982, when Olivia Newton-John sat atop her uh, popularity. I mean, you know, she was as popular as she ever was. Great you song. You think they jammed to this on the bus? Oh, they right should then? have. 
should have introduced those kids to a whole new thing, to just a whole new thing. Yeah, Ole Miss winning there. State got the series win at Texas A&M. State's pitching was dominant. They didn't score a ton of runs because A&M pitches it really well too, but uh, State's pitching over the weekend was just dominant. They were so good they hardly had to use any pitchers. Everybody went out there just shut everybody down, it seemed like. Uh, so State cruised, and so those two are going to square off in Oxford this weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday series. I'm Matt. I'm in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau, go with the home team. They are your home team at Farm Bureau. Local agents, competitive rates, fast and friendly service. That's Farm Bureau. Also, this show stays connected to you because of C Spire, the number one network in Mississippi. And I am a C Spire customer, and wherever I go, I have this handy-dandy iPhone, a new one, from Seaspire. And I am always connected to you. A lot of times I'll do live video from different sporting events and this and that before the show and preview it and uploading this photo and that picture and that video and all this stuff. But be warned, you need to still make good decisions. Just because you can do something doesn't always mean you should do something. Like, there's a time and a place to take a selfie and upload it, and there's times not to do it. Rim of the Grand Canyon, not a good time. Well, here's a related story, Roger. New York City, woman critically injured after falling from Manhattan rooftop while taking New York City skyline pictures. 22-year-old woman seriously injured after falling from her apartment's roof on Saturday night. Police say that she was part of a group taking photographs of the New York City skyline before she fell. Officers responded to a call of a person who fell from the East 25th Street building around 8 p.m. on May the 4th. She landed in the rear corridor of the building. A neighbor told the New York Post she was taking pictures. She fell, and apparently she hit the AC unit and landed in the trash area, which is like horrendous, horrible. I'm just completely shocked. I went Beach up, the hard ground, though. It does. It's probably why she's alive. I went upstairs because I know these girls. It was a bunch of girls in the room all crying, a bunch of cops. They've lived there for seven months already. They moved in at, like, the end of last summer. It's just horrible, said the neighbor. She's lucky to be alive. How tall is that building, did you say? Well, it was the um, – if the picture – yeah, okay. There is a picture accompanying this story that I'm reading, and it is captioned as East 25th Street. So I'm assuming it – which is the same address of where they fell. And it's definitely – one, two, three, four, five, and the roof would be six stories above the ground, Roger. That's enough. <laughs> it's way up there. Yeah. So um, the Daily News spoke to a neighbor who said he heard a massive party for the past two days. I went to work, and they were partying. Even when I got back at 6 a.m., they were partying. This happened over the weekend? Yes. It's another person who lived in the building said, quote, it's too easy to fall off. In the past, I've had friends who put their dogs on the roof and once jumped over. Listen to that. What in the world? He's saying the roof is unsafe, and they were just waiting to hear when something like this happened. 
Oh, here we go. It's, Fire up the lawsuit. Here we go. Lawsuit. But look, taking pictures on the rooftop getting of you know New York City skyline. They'll it, go with the attractive nuisance clause. Like, yeah. well, you knew that was dangerous and that people were attracted to it, and it's all your fault. You know what else I saw? A lot of the people that I follow on Twitter and on Instagram – a lot of famous people, you know, sports folks, and a lot of the media, that kind of thing, were all posting selfies that they took at the Kentucky Derby. Did you watch the Kentucky Derby? I did. I did, too. What would you think about all that? I love it. I love when women wear hats for some reason. You do? Well, yeah, I, I, I think it. it's all stupid. I went on a big rant about it on Friday. About the hats or the just well, the... Just the whole thing. I said, well, it's, it's a whole lot of people going around... <laughs> trying to pretend like they're richer than they are. <laughs> That's what it is. It's all it sounds funny. like some schools I know. But <laughs> well, I compare. I did compare it to like going to the Ole Miss football game. I said, but heck, at least a football game lasts three hours. Now, I didn't say Ole Miss, by the way. The <laughs> yeah, you know, well, get people, me in there with you, man. Well, what I said was, I think it's a little bit justifiable, and nobody at Ole Miss for a football game ever takes it to the level that these people do for the Kentucky Derby. But this thing, it's all day, and they dress up. Like out of a movie, man. It's like they're dressing up like the Queen Charlotte. of Queen of Hearts from Alice in Wonderland, walking around in hats, like twice <laughs> the size that they are. And they for, keep them on their head for hours and hours. They walk around and look at each other, and and like take selfies and post it. And then the race is over like this. Boom! There they go, and it's over. <laughs> I mean, it's all day. For some horses – now, the, let me just tell you, the minute and a half or two minutes or ever how long it is the race actually lasts is awesome. Love it. I love watching that. I'd love to have, a, like, a microphone inside their head when they were – because people I was watching with, we all commented on the same thing, how, how normally they were walking those horses out there like it was completely an everyday experience to be up to your ankles in $300 shoes <laughs> – in mud, mud, water, and whatever else is on horse track. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, the the race itself, I just, we were sitting there watching it as a family. And, um, you know, I, it, it was so interesting to watch the whole process they went through after this race of disqualifying the horse that finished first. What was it? Maximum security is the name of the horse. Yeah, um, he was flailing about on that that horse pretty good there. I did notice that he was like he was pushing out with his elbows. Well, and, and and when we were watching the race live, when that moment happened, I said out loud, "Whoa!" I, they almost they almost run it ran into each other right there. Had a wreck because when they came around that turn or were coming around, you had two or three horses coming up behind him pretty fast and. He's in what is like lane one over here next to the rail and and just quickly just swung out there about four or five links out to the middle and blocked them all. A little NASCAR move on them. A little NASCAR blocking move, and apparently that's the thing that got him disqualified. Man, if, you, if, you, if he had caused, a, a, for lack of a better sake, a pile-up, can you imagine oh, man. the dollars in horse flesh that he would do? No kidding. Yeah, they almost went heel to heel there for a minute, and that would have been a disaster. They'd have been carting them off. 
jockeys and horses. Thankfully, that didn't happen, though. Hey, let's talk a little Mississippi State baseball next with Brett Hudson. We can get him on the phone. We'll try that coming up on the show. Stick around. You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show. to pronounce the following word. It's a food product, a sweet food product, and it is spelled like this. It's spelled P-R-A-L-I-N-E. P-R-A-L-I-N-E. Do you know how to pronounce that word? I'm about to tell you why I'm asking you that. I'm Matt. I'm on the. Uh, f- I'm in the Farm Bureau studio, and on the Divinity Equipment phone line is Brett Hudson. Brett underscore Hudson. He's a member of the team here, Matt Wyatt Media, and uh, does a great job. And Brett and I host a podcast together, it's dedicated to Mississippi State baseball, called Dog Pile, and we recorded this morning. Hey, Brett. Hey, so can I tell you how to correctly pronounce that word, or are you waiting for listener feedback on that? I want to. I want to know if the Brett Hudson, Brett underscore Hudson on Twitter, knows the official pronunciation of that word. I want to know. Uh, now, you and I were both raised in the great state of Alabama, and I've only lived outside of the greater southeast for a year and a half of of my entire life. So. The correct answer is a praline. Praline. Okay. Praline. Right? Apparently, that is the correct answer, Brett, and it's pronounced praline. Now, let me say the reason I'm bringing this up for anyone listening to this thinking you're about to change the channel <laughs> is because Brett and I were recording our podcast this morning, Dogpile, and others have heard it now. One of the sponsors on the podcast is Jubilation's Cheesecake in West Point, Mississippi. And I ran through all the different flavors of cheesecake because we're going to be giving them away. And one of them is is Southern Caramel Praline. And apparently I said praline. Apparently I said oh, yeah. That's somebody's aunt. Praline is I'm glad I missed that because I would have I would have made that a much bigger thing on, on the pod. If I had that. Well, it's my fault. Southern it, that would be like calling uh, caramel caramel. Anytime somebody says caramel, I want to punch my TV on the Food Network. Right? It's caramel. So I apologize for <laughs> the mispronunciation. But dog pile is up and available. And Brett, what we discussed was what was. A really a dominant pitching weekend for Mississippi State out at Texas A&M. Would you agree? Uh, yeah, especially good. And I realized that 
two seven-inning games play a role in this, but especially good in that they did it all while only throwing 33 bullpen pitches, and all of those bullpen pitches came from one guy, Jared Lee Bell. So they put together a, a really strong pitching performance on the road, took two of three from a series, and then did all of it while more or less giving their bullpen an entire week off because got to remember there was no midweek game in between that Georgia series and the Texas A&M series. So their bullpen get more or less a week off as they tackle the closing stretch. And I'm guessing that that's going to really help this team. It's going to give kind of rejuvenate those arms a little bit, especially if they're able to kind of inning by inning piece together the final two midweek games of of the season this Wednesday and then the ensuing Tuesday, just basically for arm health, just to get the guys one inning of work, maybe something in the neighborhood of 15 pitches to keep their arms fresh after getting that, that week off to really rejuvenate their, their arms. I, I really think there's going to be a long-term impact from, from a weekend like this one. Time will tell, but that's, that's what I think is going to happen. I think you're going to see some, some new life in some bullpen arms for the next few weeks, which is good timing because the, the next few weeks takes us into Hoover and then the eventual regional. Brett, um, any guesses maybe what you think we see on the mound in the midweek when State hosts Memphis? That's, that's a good question. When, when they originally had their rotation set as Keegan James um, Ethan Small and JT Ginn before the, the rain and all that pushed it back. I thought you were going to see a, a short outing from Peyton Plumley on Wednesday to have him ready for the Sunday game against Ole Miss, but now I wonder if that's going to be the case. I wouldn't be surprised if Keegan James takes the quote-unquote start yeah. against Memphis, but again, you've got a lot of bullpen arms that you want to get some work um, in, in this game. Get them an inning, get them kind of in a throwing routine and get them uh, just basically knock the rust off from having an entire week off of uh, game situation pitching. So my rough guess is Keegan James, but only two, maybe three innings from him. As you see, inning by inning, piecing guys in, maybe Brandon Smith, Colby White, Spencer Price, Tristan Barlow. You get several guys, one inning of work. Maybe Riley Sells, too. Uh, since he's likely to get that cast off and either today or tomorrow. Um, and just get bullpen guys inning by inning to get yourself through that game. It's beneficial on, on a lot of regards. So that's, that's my guess, a very short start from Keegan James. Brett Hudson is on your radio right now. Follow him on Twitter, Brett underscore Hudson. Uh, he's written some really cool stuff, including a piece uh, um, after the A&M series, available for you right now on the website, mattwyattmedia.com. And of course, you'll find it on his Twitter feed as well. This um, we got a week to look ahead to it, but Ole Miss coming off a series win, State coming off a series win. They're both sitting there with identical conference records, a couple of games behind Arkansas in the West. What do you um, what do you see as the importance of this series that's coming up this weekend in Oxford, Brett? I think it's a series that could more or less secure Mississippi State as a top eight, as a as a top eight national seed, as a potential super regional host. I really think it has that amount of importance because the South Carolina series 
this this in the regular season. This team is a lot better than South Carolina. They should be able to take two of three out of that with with little problem. Okay, and uh, only so much can be accomplished in in Hoover when you're uh, a team with this kind of resume. Uh, only so much can be done to help or hurt yourself in Hoover. So I don't think the the high leverage games are there. But if this this gives you an opportunity to just like they did last weekend go on the road to a ranked team and take a series two out of three. And if you do that in back-to-back weekends, that'll put them at, what, 17 and uh, 11 in SEC play? Right? No, 17 and 10. That'll put them at 17 and 10 with a strong non-conference strength of schedule, strong non-conference resume. Assuming they beat Memphis on Wednesday, that'll put them at 17 and 10 in the league without having lost a midweek game, which helps in the RPI. And they're, what, top five in RPI right now? They're fifth in Baseball America. They're fifth in, in D1 rankings. The RPI is, is up in that range. I think if they do go to Ole Miss, take two of three, and, and look pretty good as they do it, I think they would more or less be a lock for that, that top A regional, barring something completely hideous in the final five games of, of the season, including Hoover. It's just it's just hard for me to imagine this team taking two of three in Oxford and not hosting uh, a super regional if they if they were to get one. I, I genuinely believe that this weekend could secure a national seed for Mississippi State. Well, there you go. That's putting it all on the table. This could be – so there's definitely opportunity there uh, for State going into that series in Oxford. Brett, good stuff, man. Appreciate it. And the, the thing I'm most uh, appreciative of is now that I, now I know how to pronounce praline and and not to say praline. So I appreciate that. Good luck with your mention. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank you, buddy. That's Brett Hudson <laughs> on Twitter. Brett underscore Hudson. Y'all give him a follow. Check out uh, the full count piece that he's got written over there at mattwyattmedia.com and then of course he's one of the hosts on the other of the Dogpile Mississippi State Baseball Podcast it's available for you recorded earlier uh, today yeah praline here are the flavors hold on hold on I'll tell you right here we were going through the flavors of the cheesecake at Jubilations Cheesecake in West Point uh, Oreo, Mississippi Mud, Simply Supreme, Southern Caramel Praline, Red Velvet, Strawberry Shortcake, Strawberry Wave, Turtle, Chocolate Marble, Ooh-hoo! White Chocolate, Simply Chocolate, Chocolate, and Key Lime. Roger, if you were going to choose a flavor of cheesecake, which of those would you choose? Man, I have to go with the praline or <laughs> that uh, key lime sounded pretty good. At the Doesn't end. it? Yeah, key lime cheesecake. I had. Have the, you tried it yet? I no. I tried the white chocolate cheesecake and the strawberry wave, and uh, yeah, it's the real deal. Real they can deal. call it white chocolate. They aren't convincing me that it's chocolate. <laughs> it's good, but it ain't no white chocolate. It's not chocolate. It's not chocolate. <laughs> it ain't got no chocolate in it, man. <laughs> uh, 
Roger said it's not chocolate unless it's brown. We'll see about that. <laughs> All right. That's hour one. Lots of baseball to get to. And a few other things. Stick around. You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show.